0: Great. Uh, Abu, could I invite you up? Um, We're going to hear the word of God uh, from Abu. Uh, Now, some of you might know, some of you might have met Abu once, and if you have, then you'll have been struck by his uh, infectious smile, his joy for life and for God. And if you've met him a few times, you might have heard something of his story. Um, I just want to commend this man to you as a man of God, uh, as a man who's walked with God and who's walked with through lot in his life i i hope that we'll hear uh, much from the life of samuel but also that we'll catch something of abu's passion abu's heart for jesus Abu, can i just pray for you before we start father god thank you for this man of god lord we bless him and we thank you for bringing him to be part of our family here lord god would you anoint him now to bring your word to our church for this time uh, God, would you give him confidence, uh, give him freedom, and Lord, we open our hearts to what you have to share with us. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Hello. Uh, my name is Abu. Actually, it's not really Abu. It, if you're writing me a check, I have a different name. <laughs> so, uh, just so you remember. Um, my I'm really typically Ugandan. So if you want to meet a Ugandan, here I am. And I uh, come here with you because of God's story. I'm here standing in front of you because of God's story. And it's wonderful for me to be able to share with you. I, many years now, I didn't grow up in a Christian Family. I was brought up in a God-loving family. <clears throat> but I just want to give you, to really um, take you to the greetings that we normally have in a church Sunday like this in Uganda. When we have our Sunday service, we start by introducing ourselves and actually saying, praise the Lord. But where The way we say praise the Lord is... I would just love to see the British respond in the same way. So shall we try it one more? Praise the Lord! And Praise the Lord. now you're going to have to say hallelujah. Shall we do it one more? Praise the Lord! Hallelujah! That was not loud enough. <laughs> Praise the Lord! Hallelujah! That's wonderful. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. It's really a blessing for, um, For me to be here, Uh, my name is, as I said, is Abu. I'm married to Amy. Uh, We have two uh, lively children, Lilia and Asa. And um, thankfully, they're not here. So that's that's, uh, uh, another (laughs) added blessing. Um, Not Amy, but the children, I must admit. For someone like me, I'm reading uh, the book of Samuel. Um, has two things that he makes about, you know, really about my own life, in that I have I come to the Bible not as someone who has inherited it as a book. I come to the Bible as a completely new book presented to me, where God has placed me there and is now saying to me, This is your daily bread, this is the food that I am feeding you. So when I read it, the questions I ask myself may be the same as you, but I come to it in a very, you know, um, open and innocent uh, uh, background. And then also, uh, last week we looked at uh, Lois looked at Ruth, uh, the story of Ruth in the Old Testament. And she identified a number of things. She said, um, the Old Testament is all about that book is all about the highs and laws. And God's people in the place of the highs and laws. The the um First Samuel is in a way is quite similar, in that the book is all about it is really inviting us to look at the lives of these individuals and reflect. How do we reflect? We should interpret the life of Samuel, the life of the story that is being told, to really reflect on our own lives. In summary, I just want to give you a background to this book. It has two parts, it's, uh, you've got second Samuel and first Samuel. Um Actually, when the book was uh, put together, it was one book, but the large because it 's a large book, it was divided into two um, um uh, books we, um but what's in, what's intriguing about the book is that when you read it, we come to our stories are almost in there our stories are almost in the book of Samuel. So I could not help by stopping and reflecting on what is my story in this book. Um, We are told um, prior to Samuel that God um, had made a covenant with the people of Israel at Mount Sinai to be faithful to him and obey his commandments. Moses says in Deuteronomy chapter 28, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give to you, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. All the blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. He had also warned them about the consequences of disobeying God. The Israel is called to be dedicated to God, to look to God. Then comes the book of Samuel. We, we, for, uh, today we're going to be focusing mainly on first Samuel. But the events before the book demonstrate why the book is central to the reformation of Israel as a nation. And one theme that runs through this book is the importance of looking to God. The importance of focusing on God. The Bible tells us that Samuel's father um, forgive me, I I speak because I speak Arabic and also learned Hebrew so some of these words make a lot of sense when you read them in Hebrew and Arabic because they're they are, they are like sister languages. So we say in Hebrew, I would say in Arabic, Elkanah. So I don't know how the British would say it, but that's how I say it. Elkanah, he went up constantly to worship God and sacrifice to God. When you read the book of Samuel, the one thing that goes through is that you can easily underestimate Elkanah's effort to be going to worship, because it seems as if it's something that is normal. He's going. But actually, this is not something very small. There was a general decay and neglect of devotion to God. The temple was not a place I that is looked at. I, I, I used to be more brave. I've been in the UK for too long now, but I, I used to be more brave and I used to say things as they are. So I went to this church and um, we were about three of us in the church and um, we had the sermon. I think the priest read in a um, newspaper or something like that. We finished the service. And I said, oh, this has been interesting. It's like a club meeting on Sunday. (laughs) That's how I say to the priest. And he said, what? I said, well, this looks like a club. It's like you are a club and you're meeting on Sunday. And the service, that's why you've got a number of, a fewer number of attendants in this place because why would I, what stops me from watching the football when Liverpool are playing? I'm a Liverpool fan. (laughs) when Liverpool are playing to actually sacrifice my time to be going to church. If church is not going to be transforming my life, if it's not going to change me. Now, Elkanah kept going to church, kept going to the temple, despite the fact that there was decay. The fact fact that the word of the Lord, devotion to God, was very uncommon. Why? And that's why I say the book of Samuel is reflective in its nature. It's calling us to reflect, to ask ourselves, why? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I praying? Why am I attending church? Why am I reading the Bible? Why do I do the things that I do? Um, it's his faithfulness in doing this is even more remarkable, because the place where he was going, Hophni and Finehas, uh, the sons of Eli, were the presiding priests in the temple. And we read in chapter two, verse 12 that they had no regard for the Lord. Now imagine going to a place of worship where the priest or the pastor of that place has no regard for the Lord. But you are still going. You are still going. The other interesting thing is that Eli's children knew about God. They knew the daily routine of priestly life. They even knew God's laws concerning all kinds of offerings. However, they disregarded God. There is the, They were in ministry But they didn't know God. But people still gave them respect, reserved for a priest. But God did not look at at them as his faithful servants. But Samuel's father did not look to Eli, he did not look to the priests, he looked to God. He identified the greatness of God and he came not for what was happening but to God. His focus was not on on the temple. His focus was not on the priests. His focus was on God. We then see the life of Samuel's mother. The Bible tells us that despite being dearly beloved by Eli, she was barren. In fact, it says, the Lord had closed her womb. It's a difficult passage to read because you read it and say, the Lord Almighty has not given her a child and she's crying, she's there, she comes to God. Now, despite being depicted, um, uh, the Bible tells us that she was beloved by Eli, we see that she, um, that special treatment could not lessen her grief. On top of that, Penina, Eli's second wife, was blessed with children, but she could not be thankful. Instead, mocked Hannah to the point of depression. But, again, when you look at this story, you then ask yourself, how did Hannah respond? How did she respond? She responded She did not respond. She could have responded to Penina by provoking her back, by simply continuing to fight her. She could have caused her husband to look elsewhere than to look to God. She had people to look to, but she had a history to look back to. Sarah, Rachel, demanded Abraham to sleep with their servants so they could have children. She could have stopped loving her husband or insulted Penina back by some unkind words. Instead, she turned to the Lord for fervent prayer. She knew that only God can take away her misery. She looked only to God's attention, not to human sympathy. She knew that she can approach God independently, without going through Eli. She knew that spite, the Eli's sons going away from God, she was not there because of Eli's children. She was not there because of Eli. She was there because she knew her God. Eli's sons would have been the kind of priests who would have probably priced pride on her needy soul and offered superficial prayers for a fee. We have a lot of this in Africa, where we've got preachers who simply make money. Their office is to make money. But Hannah sought God herself and found Him. I'm not saying we should not be going for prayers, but our, our knowledge of God, our identity, the one we look to, should be greater than where we go, the priests, the pastors, those entrusted by God to be leading us in prayer. And once Eli prayed for Hannah, she, she trusted God and the Bible says she ate something, and she was no longer downcast. In my life as having come to Christ, I was persecuted and I was running away from my life constantly. And and I just had to trust God. I constantly trusted God. Actually, the one thing I was, when I came to Oxford, so the one thing that happened is that I used to be... Um, I used to eat a lot of, I would only eat gluten-free. This is a, quite a testimony for me. And, um, and I went to this church in Oxford. And believe me, I won't mention the church, but this church does not actually believe in healing. And um, someone, I said, well, you know, I've been having a problem, and I have got a problem with uh, my, um, I've eaten, I think I've eaten gluten. And someone said, can I pray for you? I said, yes. They prayed for me. And then it was lunchtime, and we were about to eat the bread. And I went straight to eat the bread, and, and the person who prayed for me said, no! <laughs> and I said, but you prayed! But you prayed! And I ate the bread. And incredible how God works. My simple faith meant that from that day, I could eat gluten up to today. We then look at the life of Samuel himself. What do we see? Although Samuel lived in a temple, he was exposed to the ungodly influences of Eli's children. He saw their greed and immorality which had become common practice in the temple. Yet the Bible says he grew in holiness and continued to minister before God. How is that possible? How is it possible? I think it is possible when you abandon what I call churchianity to godliness. When you see God greater than the church, when you see God greater than anything else. I think one of the things that is trapping the church is religion, is the practice of how we do it. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. We have to pray. We have to do this. We have to do this. We have, to do this. have to do this. Instead of coming to God and looking at him as the great, the great God, But what was so different about Samuel compared to Eli's sons? Despite growing up in the temple, Samuel's parents also had an exemplary life for him to look to. They dedicated him to the Lord. They were going to the temple not because Eli and his children were there, Because they recognize the greatness of God. And I ask myself, when I look at my own children, how purposefully have I intended to dedicate my children to God? How many of us purposefully look to God to dedicate our children to God? Are we going to be like Eli, who comes to his children and says, I hear what's happening, because he wasn't involved. And the other thing that is difficult, when you read Eli's life, he was so busy in the ministry, and he didn't really have time, dedicate time to his children. He was so busy serving God that his children were second priority to ministry. What we, <coughs> that's why I said earlier that the book of Samuel is, all, is a very reflective book. It's asking us, look at your life and ask big questions. Ask yourself, what's my place when I read this book? These Samuel's children were familiar with the temple, were familiar with religiousity, but they did not know God. We have an African proverb which says, a tree must be pruned straight when it's tender, when it's at a tender age. After it's grown, its shape is permanent. So if you want to have a godly influence in your children, start early not at a stage when they have reached a life where they have chosen their course of life. Eli's children knew the words of the temple before they knew God. And what we also see is sadly, Samuel's children followed course. When you read uh, 1 Samuel chapter 8, Verse three, Samuel's children did not walk in their father's footsteps to fear the Lord. They did not know the Lord despite serving in spiritual offices. How do we as God's people bring up our children? I think the, the example is there. You've got Eli, you've got Hannah, who look to God. For them, God is greater than the institution. God has to be greater than the institution for you in order for your children to see that and having it reflected in their lives. So spirituality (coughs) is defined differently in the Bible. According to, when you read it, There was spirituality as defined by the temple and spirituality as defined by God. And they're not the same. We read in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, you are still not following the spirit when you act like ordinary people of the world. To be spiritual is to be godly or possess godliness. What we, what we need to do is to become more like Jesus. And the book of Samuel demonstrates this for us. Knowing God involves letting him be the object of our thought and our focus. Recognizing that the heart, our heart, the heart is deceitful. above all things, desperately wicked, and that in us there is no good thing. Having our hope in Christ, our mind being fixed upon him, our attention focusing upon him, we desire to be transformed in his likeness. So, where do we fit? into this story? Where do you fit into this story? Where do you find yourself? Where do you want to find yourself in this story? Is it in the story of Eli? Is it in the story of Samuel and his family? Is it in a story of where do you, where do you picture yourself i'm i have to tell you this because when i was growing up i was very religious very religious strictly religious but i didn't know god it is possible to be religious it is possible to read the bible It is possible to be a minister. It is possible to lead in the church. It is possible to be in a music, um, singing, worship team without having a relationship with Jesus. It is possible. That's what this story is telling us today. It's telling us there is two people. There's one that is whose life is not admirable, and there are others who have decided not to be swayed by anything else, but to look to God. So as we conclude, Paul says to the Philippians, let this mind in you, which was also in Christ, He asks, he urges them to let the the mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. To the Colossians he says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above. Do not set your mind on the organization Do not set your mind on religious practice. Do not set your mind on priests or pastors. Set your mind on Christ. The book of Samuel speaks to us today saying, look to God, not religion. And Jesus says it. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. We are to be isolated. We are to be purposefully looking to God. We are to look beyond the institutes that have failed religion. You know, it saddens me that missionaries came to this con- from this country to come to Uganda. It's, I don't think an African child who is growing up today, if they were brought here, they would think David Livingstone came from this place. But the churches, the buildings that David Livingstone went to, the churches that those people built, they're still here. But the passion, the understanding of God, the knowledge of God, the dedication to God is not there. At least among many other places in this this country. When you read the story of missionary life, you read that they advertised in the telegraph to call missionaries to go to Uganda. (laughs) And lots of people volunteered to go to Uganda In the Daily Telegraph. But because once you lose the focus, once you lose focusing on God and focus on religion, you become no different. And I always say this, you can never make a difference unless you're different. And you can only be different if Christ is in you. Hallelujah. <laughs> May the Lord bless us. Let me just pray for us. Heavenly Father, you died on the cross for us all. You gave up your life. You said, if anyone wants to follow me, let him forsake. Let him lose Carry his own cross and come and follow me. Lord, will you make us today in this building people who are purposefully, daily, looking to nothing else but you. Looking to no one but you. Understand why we are called to be children of God. Help us, Father, to bring our children in ways that makes them realize that it's not about the church or the building, it's about you, the one who has died for us and resurrected. Exalt your name, Lord, in our lives, in the name of Jesus.